Matthew chapter 2, and we'll begin reading in verse 13. The wise men have come and worshipped the king. They've been advised to depart another way, and uh, they should not return to Herod, but return to their own country another way. And now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. This is the written and the inerrant word of God. O Lord, open this word to our understanding in our minds and our hearts to believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus was born a king, and he was a king protected, we learn from Luke's gospel, protected from the elements by being laid in a manger with a cattle stall, his refuge. We learn from Matthew's gospel that Jesus was born and the uh, heredity was that he had a royal line through his stepfather Joseph and he was protected from the deadly schemes against him of an earthly king, Herod, descended from David on both sides through Joseph and Mary. He was threatened by the Idumean, descended from Esau, Herod. It has all the drama of a mystery movie. The newborn babe, heir apparent of a storied line from King David. Here is baby Jesus threatened by the scheming, wicked Herod. And we uh, hear of exotic travelers coming in from the east, the Magi. And now Joseph carries off this baby with the mother Mary going to another exotic place Egypt, by night they escape, 
only to return later when the wicked king died, but learning that baby boys had been massacred there. And so the threat of death against Jesus was real. And it wasn't imagined in the mind of Joseph as if he dreamed up this trip to Egypt to go down there like you wanted to spend the gold that the wise men gave him in the Egyptian casinos. It was nothing like that. It was a real warning by a real angel. And unlike the murder mystery on reruns that we will see all the time, whether it's Cumberbatch playing, you know, that wonderful Sherlock Holmes or Peter Falk playing Columbo or if it's Raymond Burr playing Perry Mason. We don't need that entertainment as much as we need a gospel. We don't need uh, nostalgia. We need hope. And we get it when we believe that this text was given to us to bring forth faith in our heart to trust in this Savior. Do we need more entertainment? Distractions is plenty around us. Or could we use some salvation this Christmas? Maybe some understanding of why our lives can feel so threatened. Even if there's no marauding King Herod at our door, could we get some perspective this morning on why life is so rough? And how can we come through out of the night and into the light? So think with me on these three points. Verses 13 to 16. An earthly king threatened to destroy Jesus, the king. Verses 17 to 20. The king returned to save his people. And verses 21 through 23. The king lived where he was called a Nazarene. So first, verses 13 to 16, an earthly king threatened to destroy Jesus the king. And who is this king? Who is this child? Jesus is described by the Holy Scripture as God's son. Verse 15, out of Egypt I called my son, which is a quotation from Isaiah 11.1. The first understanding of this text was retrospective. Hosea lived after the Exodus event, out of, after the time when God brought Israel out of Egypt. And God was establishing that by virtue of that deliverance, he was connecting himself by covenant to this whole nation. And he was bringing them out of Israel, so bringing them out of Egypt so they could be delivered from idolatry, be delivered from the physical hurt and harm they experienced there under oppressive pharaohs, that they would be brought out of idolatry and brought into a promised land where they could serve the Lord in purity of hope and faith. But there were 10 timid spies who went along with Joshua and Caleb, and they still had a slave mentality. They didn't believe that the same God who brought them through the Red Sea could help them go into that promised land to defeat those Canaanites. These Israelites thought and acted like slaves who had no authority, no agency, no agility 
of the options, no audacity to be able to follow God who was calling them into the freedom of the promised land. So they went back into the wilderness to wander. They were royalty, and yet they did not act like it. They were a royalty because we read at the foot of Mount Sinai, Exodus 19, verses 4 through 8, when God is about to give them the Ten Commandments, God says in verse 4 of 19, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you in eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me among all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You see, God was the king. The people were the priests, not that they were all descendant from Aaron and not that they were all from the tribe of Levi to work in the temple, but they were all meant to intercede for a lost and broken world. They were meant to stand as those who serve God, are accountable to God for how they live in the world, and praying for the covenant people of God, an intercession that at the time of Jesus expanded to the whole world. And so now that Jesus is coming, going to come back from Egypt after going there, he fulfills this scripture, not in a retrospective way, but it was a prophetic scripture now. Out of Egypt, I called my son. The king here is also described in Psalm 2, verse 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me. And I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You see, we as believers in Jesus, we are that inheritance. We are the gift that God is giving his son by virtue of his holy obedience to go all the way to the cross. And so he is going to take care of us. If you get an inheritance, you try to take care of it and invest it wisely. So Jesus is going to care for the very people that God has given him by virtue of his death and resurrection. Therefore, we are going to be protected just as Jesus was protected by God taking him off to Egypt away from wicked Herod, our salvation is in him. And King Jesus lived to tell the tale that he could then live a holy life of a man, the second Adam who replaced the first Adam in a holy obedience to God and in a righteous sacrifice at the cross. He was warned, Joseph was warned, and God gave this warning to Joseph, arise, take the young child, and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. It says the response to that command is when he arose. In other words, there's no, way, no question that he was going to obey this. It's when he arose, he took the young child and departed for Egypt. My son, in-law Matt, when he's packing the car, nobody touches the car but Matt. I get to buggy lug the 
you know, the, the suitcases out to the driveway and the little kids help too, but he puts it all in. He has his way of packing up. There's a certain intensity about Matt and I don't get in the way. And he then takes off for Pittsburgh. Boom, we're out of here. Where's the coffee? I'm here. There's an intensity in this verse here I want you to feel, an intensity of obedience. Yes, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And I want to ask you if you will believe as Joseph did. He had just gotten all this money. This would go a long way in Nazareth, but no, he's got to go to Egypt and he's going to carry it there because he believes upon the Lord. Will you respond to the word? You see, the word is central here. Verse 13, you stay there until I bring you word. It was a word that came to him in Israel to go to Egypt. He's going to get another word in Egypt to come back. And a third time he got a word in verse 22, warning him to go back to Galilee, which was where he lived originally. And I'm asking you, will you be attentive to the word of God today? Will you heed the warning? Will you respond to this message which is coming to you with the life of God behind it? I ask you today to consider this. There are many dangers in the world. Joseph was given a word of warning to protect Jesus. Are we going to heed the warning that relates to our life in this world and our own sin? The devil would have preferred that Herod, that Joseph did not heed that word. He wanted to get this baby king, this king of the Jews. It says in Revelation 12, 2, if you'd like to turn there, Revelation 12 and 2, it's a picture of this scene. And she, this is the woman, it stands for the church, but in this verse, a particular personification of the church, which is Mary herself, she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered to devour her child as soon as it was born. This is a picture of what Herod wanted to do. The devil was working through Herod, using his own native uh, harshness and violence, having killed his own sons. This would be easy. And the devil used him to destroy Jesus tried to destroy Jesus before Jesus had a chance to live that sacrificial life and death that would bring salvation. Now, that same devil would like to take us out of action, demoralize us as a church family through the disease of COVID, demoralize us through personal trials and afflictions which we bear in our lives. Like those unbelieving spies who were discouraged when they saw the challenges in the land of Canaan. Oh, we can't gather together. We can't be in worship. We can't do things like Sunday school programs permanently. Another five or ten years before we get around to that again. It will not happen here. Not on my watch. 
And I don't believe with the brother elders that I have, it will be me standing alone. We are committed to minister to you and to the community. And I ask you to come back this afternoon. I ask you to. I ask you to because your presence here is a way for you to meet lost people. It doesn't just happen when I give the little ditty up here on the stage. I will not trivialize it. I sure did. I just did. But it doesn't come with two minutes off the pulpit after the kids do their thing. It comes with you speaking and in a friendly way engaging newcomers. I call you. I ask you. I plead with you. Be here to... Show this world and show our Savior that we are serious. The devil will not hold us back. And here is what happens in this text, Revelation 12, 14. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. You see, the devil didn't get Jesus, so the devil went after the woman. The devil's coming after you, church. But we will be saved and delivered. Even as the serpent attacked him, in verse 16 it says, But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Water is always a bad deal. The, the, the Jews, they loved the land. The Mediterranean Sea was a place of threat. So water was not a good deal to the covenant people of God. But guess what? The earth opened up. The earth opened up under those kidnappers and delivered those 17 missionaries out of their time of trial. They are the same group of people, the same denomination that sang here in this very stage and brought a wonderful message of hope about six or seven years ago. And this is what their pastor said. As they became aware of what was happening at the time of the capture, the group began singing the chorus. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them, based on Psalm 34, 7. They didn't have a Bible, but they recited Bible verses by memory. They prayed for their captors and told them about God's love and their need to repent. You know, some people don't really like it that I talk about repentance at Christmas. Well, come on, let's keep it up. Christmas is the up one, right? Isn't it the one where everything's supposed to be happy? Well, these Mennonites didn't think so. You gotta know God's love and you need to repent of your sin. And I ask you today to repent of your wandering, to come back to Christ. And the hope that we have is that this child was caught up unto God, to his throne as John Bunyan struggled about his guilt he thought about Jesus at the side of the throne that he there by the Father. And he said, that Christ is my justification. My justification is heaven. The Father can always see him. And he always sees me in him. If you believe that Jesus died and was raised and was ascended, you have hope this day. For in that faith, you have hope protection. You need fear nothing. Not COVID, not political cronies, not crusaders on the political left or the political right. 
Come to Christ in faith today. Herod was not wise. Rather than humble himself and kiss the king, as it says in Psalm 2, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are those who put their trust in him. Will you please put your trust in him today? I ask you. I come to you. Let us consider again now as these attacks have come against God's people and the king was protected and we are protected. Now let us consider these verses 17 to 20 where he is returned from Egypt to Israel to save his people. And we encounter in these verses, 17 to 20, two allusions. One is explicit in verse 18 to the Old Testament, and the other are more subtle through the particular language used in 19 and 20. So in verse 18, we have a quote from Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. You know, Jesus was protected. But what about those little baby boys? They didn't get the pass. They died at the hand of Herod. What are we meant to say about this? How are we supposed to respond? How can we understand this? Well. Our family of churches in the Reformed and Presbyterian world understand the threat to these women, these babies in this way, these little baby boys. In chapter 10 of the Westminster Confession, we just studied it on a Saturday, our Saturday Sound Words Breakfast. I quote, elect infants dying in infancy are regenerated and saved by Christ through the Spirit who worketh when and where and how he pleaseth. That was not the end of them. But then there's still that mother's grief. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted. What do we do with that? For we share in that sorrow ourselves from time to time. Maybe we have lost a child to death. Maybe we grieve that a relationship has ended or is just withering on the vine. Perhaps we feel neglected or cut off. What do we do? Well, I would ask you not to stay where Rachel stayed, as a picture of a whole group of women. Just because it appears in the Bible doesn't mean that's what we are supposed to do. We are not supposed to refuse comfort. Rather, I call you today to be comforted in Christ. If it's a child wandering, trust in Christ's wisdom expressed in the Proverbs. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6. Keep praying along those lines. And for those who are single and would desire to be married, or for those divorced, believing women who would desire to be married, 
Cling to the special relationship you have with the Lord God. It says in Ezekiel 16 and verse 8, Ezekiel 16, 8, When I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed your time was the time of love, so I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore on oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord God. The original context here is that God is spreading his wing over Israel, which was writhing on the ground in its blood, the blood with which it had been born, and spreading his wing over, he claims that child for himself, his covenant people. And so that being the original context, we deduce from that that what is true for the whole body of God's people devolves and transfers to the members of the body. Any who are alone, any who are feeling abandoned, any who are writhing like a baby with no one to pick them up from the ground, know today the special attention and care of the Lord God at Christmas. I swore on oath to you and entered into covenant with you, and you became mine. It's almost like you're married to the Lord God, and he will watch out for you. Unlike Rachel, I ask you to be comforted today. And consider also this other Old Testament element of these verses, that here we see there's almost a mirror image of what's going on with Moses, that passage which Elder Ken read for us, and uh, then Jesus. Moses had to flee out of Egypt to escape a king who was threatening him. And then he returned to Egypt to set free God's people. Jesus, on the other hand, had to escape from Israel, and he went to Egypt, and then he was called out of Egypt to go back to Israel to save his people. And one of the great commentaries, uh, Willoughby Allen, points out that as we read in verse 20, the words of the angel, there's a parallel to language in the Old Testament. In verse 20, we read, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. I say the Greek because I want you to hear some of those words back in the Greek version of Exodus 4.19. Tethnikasin gar pantes hai zetuntes sutain psukain. Very similar vocabulary when we read there in Exodus 4.19. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. The threat was gone. He could go back. And Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uses the same vocabulary, similar words, exact same words as translated. And so we read in Matthew 2.13 another similarity. In 2.13 it says, For Herod will seek the young child to kill him. Well, that also happens in Exodus 2.15, 
that he sought Moses to kill him. This is Pharaoh. Again, a similar word, Zetain and Zetain. And a third parallel in Matthew 2.14, it says, Joseph took Jesus and Mary and departed for Egypt. And then in Exodus 2.15, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh. So that's the escape verse. In both case, cases, the word is anakorese, and that is repeated in the Old Testament, the Greek version, and the New Testament. Very often, the writers of the New Testament would refer to what was called the Septuagint when they wanted to make parallels because what they wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit would then be explicitly in Greek connected to the Greek version of the Old Testament. Now, this really happened. I'm not saying this to suggest that he made this up. I'm saying that when he chose to describe what happened, he chose biblical language. God is faithful. And why the connection? Because God is always bringing his people out of slavery. And that is what happened in the Old Testament. God brought his people out of Egypt. And God is bringing you out of slavery. It says in Galatians 4, 4 through 7, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You are not slaves. God has rescued you from the sin and death which enslaved your will, where you could not follow God. And now he has brought you into the freedom that you can obey God. You need to walk in your liberty. You need to claim your inheritance as an adopted daughter or son of the Most High God. Stop fearing like those spies in the promised land. Be free from guilt. Be free from manipulation of those who would keep you under their thumb of shame for daring to claim to be a Christian in this day and age. How could it be that we would believe that life begins at conception that, that we would object to getting a pill in the mail that any person just take to stop the life of a beating heart within that woman. Yes, we do object to that. And we ask that God would end that and that we would recognize that there's such an utter disconnect here that those very people who are, who are trying to... to uh, Make sure everybody has to get vaccinated. I've been vaccinated, okay? I've been vaccinated. But I will stand with those who will not want to be forced to be vaccinated. And yet, we, we have people who, who, who object to the protection of an unborn baby inside the womb. They're forcing something into people who don't want it. And yet, they're objecting that we are protecting a baby in the womb. We as a session heartily encourage you to consider masking here at RRPC. But I ask you to know this is an a encouragement in liberty. So here we see verses 21 through 23 
The king lived where he was called a Nazarene, which means we should be willing to suffer. If the king of kings was appointed to be brought up in a cow town called Nazareth, I think we need to be content with our situation. I'm not saying this because I am in need, Paul writes, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Here is the king of kings who is going off to the Nazareth of which it was said, what good can come out of Nazareth? The great theologian Theodore Zahn said that this was a picture of the rejection that was prophesied in the Old Testament. Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and rejected of men. To be a Nazarene is to be a despised one, just like they said the suffering servant would be. It is also an allusion to Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1, where it says, A branch shall spring forth from the root of Jesse. And the Hebrew word for that branch is netzer, which is a green thing that comes forth from a root. And so the netzer, the branch who comes out of the line of David, is the very one who would live in Nazarene. And this kind of connection is what Matthew is seeking to establish in the eyes and the minds of his readers. And I call you today to come to this one who is willing to be despised, willing as a king to humble himself. And I call you today to know that you are protected as you are united by faith with Christ. He is at the right hand. You are united with him. You sit with him in the heavenlies already, according to Ephesians 2.6. And your justification is sure before the eyes of the Father. You are comforted today by Christ. The Lord God has made covenant with you, even if passed over or rejected by men. You are set free from sin and death. As surely as Israel has come out of Egypt, as surely as Christ has come out of the tomb, walk in that liberty and freedom. And your liberty is not an opportunity for license, but for service. As you humble yourselves like this Nazarene did, come to Christ, hear the warning today, and give this Savior, your faith. Let us pray. Lord, bless these people. Help us, O oh God, to be comforted in your word. And let us know, to know, know the great sacrifice you made in sending Jesus to earth. We love you. Send your spirit upon us today. Call wandering hearts unto yourself that we would trust you and love you to our life's end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.